Well, hello, leader. I'm Nancy Grunett with First Sign Employee Assistance Program. Welcome to our leadership-inspired podcast, where we help people be better at work. Well, well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. It's a real pleasure being with you. I, I just am so tickled to have you. Uh, we were just chatting before uh, we started recording, and Tony and I go way back. Um, that's right. Mid-90s, yeah. late 90s. That's right. It was mid, mid to late 90s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We had done some consulting, some leadership consulting for First Sun Employee Assistance, Assistance Program for Sun EAP, where I work. And have been there ever since. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just great to reconnect. I mean, you look the same. and <laughs> Well, you do too. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I had uh, kind of been reintroduced to Tony through interviewing Jessica Carrera, who was a delight. Actually had her on the show twice mm. uh, because she just is just a, a font of, of wonderful leadership. Information. Oh, she's great. She's great. Yeah. yeah, we love her to death. She's terrific. Yes. And... Um, yeah, so I it, one of her leadership tenants is Link Up, and mm-hmm. she she did she, for you and I. She linked us back up again. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. I'm very glad she did. That's great. And I did not know that you were doing this, so I think this is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 This came about, you know, since it's been so long since we caught up. Uh, my career has taken a little path, and that I do. Uh, skills training, manager supervisor skills training. Mm, As you know, EAP, we work with uh, a whole wide variety of industries. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, I can't go in and out of workplaces anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started doing some one-on-one work with leaders. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought, wow, why don't we just start a leadership podcast? That's and right. just began interviewing, and it's just really blossomed. Uh, interviewing people who've written books. Um, I'd love to talk about your books because one mm-hmm. of them really, really impacts me big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just just um, influencers, you know, kind of around our local South Carolina footprint. Yeah. And I would definitely consider you an influencer. So. Well, that's great. Well, that's great, Nancy. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Well, uh, you know, I think what you're doing is terrific. Um, so I'd, I'd love to kind of reinforce it. And yeah, where would you like to start? Well, tell, tell me what you've been up to since uh, I, I know you've written several books since The, the Clock Tower was the book yeah. that influenced me. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so, yeah, so the first one was actually um, Great Leadership. And the, the genesis of that was really came in the 90s. And so actually when we were working with you, I think we probably didn't have our act together as well <laughs> as we did subsequently. So you were actually very gracious in, in, in letting us work with you. But what, what happened um, was that in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s, we came over from Europe. So I'm from England originally, lived a long time in France, came from France. My wife is American. Uh, we met there, got married there, and then came over here. And we were initially going to come for just a, a short period and then go back. But it ended up being a permanent move. Well, in, in the beginning of the 90s, I started working for a training organization. And it was a really good experience for me because it took me into all kinds of organizations. And I was doing things like strategic planning, uh, um, uh, doing things like change leadership, those kind of topics. And it was just a great education because I had really underestimated how different Americans do business, how differently they do it compared to Europeans. 
And I was kind of caught off guard by that. I've always, you know, I've always had a real uh, affection for the U.S. And, and in fact, my mother said, uh, when I married an American, she said, I always knew you would marry an American. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I, I always kind of sort of identified with the U.S., but really underestimated just how different it was. And this experience took me into all kinds of different organizations. Um, and uh, a great education. But one thing that really struck me is I was going into these companies and these organizations, sometimes it was a school district, sometimes it was a, a, a state or federal agency. Um, but the thing that struck me was that all the leaders were struggling in what they were, in, in how to lead effectively. And this is sort of the 80s and the 90s were a time of incredible fermentation. I mean, 1980 is sort of a demarcation point. You know, so many things changed economically, politically from that point on. We moved into the sort of this information tech uh, economy and the IT economy. And so a lot of things just changed. And some of the old contracts, social contracts were kind of broken and upended. And so people had a lot of, you know, all these different ideas about leadership were coming on the market. And it was sort of, uh, you know, if it wasn't systems thinking, it was emotional intelligence. It was sort of everything was kind of being piled onto it. And people were just confused. And so I started thinking about what is it that really does help a leader make sense of all this complexity? And that sort of became in the... In the 1990s, that's what became my kind of mission. And it's kind of cutting through everything to just that's exactly That's exactly right. How do, you, how do you make it as simple as possible? In fact, Albert Einstein once said, everything should be as simple as possible and no simpler. And, you know, what thi the thing that, that I came down to is what people needed was a framework that sort of made sense so that if you... If you were if you were given a a book, you could look at it and say, "Well, this is helpful. Uh, I need this now." Or you could look at it and say, "You know, this doesn't really relate to me." But most people, to you know, even today, they just you know, someone suggests a book, they'll read it, even if it's not necessarily re relevant. And there are a lot of good books out there, but they're not necessarily relevant to what a leader is actually dealing with. And so one of, one of the challenges in leadership is figuring out what is it that I really do need, do need in order to be able to, to lead effectively. And so that's where the, the framework came, came from. It was this idea of how, do you, how can you tell what it is you need uh, from this as opposed to this. I have a, you know, my wife has a cousin who's a CFO of a mid-sized company and in uh in ohio and he once asked me he said tony do you know what it is that i fear the most about my job and i said no dan what is it and he said well it's when my boss the ceo when he goes on vacation and i said well what's what's the problem with that and he said well he takes a book with it and i said well what's the problem with that <laughs> well he reads it and I said, I mean, I you, you can see where i'm going with this well uh I said, and he said, well, he reads it. And I said, that's great. You know, he's taking it and he's reading it. And he said, well, no, it gets worse than that. And he said, when he comes back, he applies it. And I said, what's wrong with that? And he said, that's great. Well, he then said, that's not the problem. The problem is the next time he goes on vacation, it's a different book. 
And he went on to say that in 10 years, we've gone from one to another, to another, to another, and we've made absolutely no progress at all. So it's like by whim, your whimsy. Yeah, exactly. by whimsy. Mm-hmm. So what the, you know, the CEO was, was doing a lot of things right. He was trying, he was reading, he was trying to learn, he was trying to figure it out. But he had no clue, no framework to know whether something was useful or something was not. And so whatever was thrown at him, he took it. And he, and, you know, so, you know, he thought, well, this is, this is what happened with, you know, Good to Great is an excellent book. It's really designed for CEOs. It's not really designed for a frontline leader. It's not the same, the same issue. So, you know, what happened when that came out is that, you know, CEO would read and say, everyone's got to read this. Well, you know, not everyone did need to read it because it's not necessarily speaking to what people on the front line in leadership really, really need. And so that was the confusion that I really wanted to, to address. And that's what the framework does. So, that, you know, when you draw it down to its essence, you know, in Einstein's thinking, what in simplest forms, it's character and it's competence. And everything about leadership can be, can be explained or clarified or taught from those two perspectives. And they're both important. You know, it's kind of like the two wings of an airplane. You've got to have, you've got to have both. So um, that was, now that was after we were working with First Sign EAP. So, um, you know, it was early 2000s that that began, came together and then it became a book and, and, um, uh, and then it led to another book and so on. So that was the genesis of the book. So, so the um, great leadership, what it is and what it takes in a complex world, that was before the clock tower? That was actually before the clock tower. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I wrote the clock tower. Uh, Betsy, my wife and I, we went on vacation in, in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. And I wrote most of it going down to, you know, the once the idea came, you know, the, the book became... Uh, became kind of took a life of its own but you know that was actually a fairly it's a short that's a short book it's a quick easy read um great it's a, but it what it, it gave to me now i have to be honest i didn't read the great leadership um, okay a great leadership book i did that clock tower is what i read but it you talk about that word framework that's yeah. what the clock tower gave me framework and yeah um just going on memory it was kind of like at an organizational level, at an operational level, and at a people level. That's exactly right. Yeah. And um, if you are, uh, you know, even a frontline leader or a mid-level leader, mm-hmm. you've got to have awareness of all three of those things. Yeah, you know, what's exactly. What's going on in your industry, what's going on maybe politically, what's going on with your competition, yep. you know, at the organizational level, so that you, you know, when your boss says, I need X, if you're aware of what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, in your industry or the competition, you can, oh, boy, that's the thing I need to jump on. Well, operationally and people, all of them, go ahead and continue. Yeah, no, no, that, that's exactly right. And that, those three are the three key dimensions of what, what we think of as competence in leadership. And competence in leadership is not about technical competence or functional competence. It really is about leadership competence, our competence as a leader. You know, we can be very competent as a marketer, an engineer, a, you know, a, 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 an accountant, whatever it is, but that doesn't make us competent as a leader. It's a different set of, of, of qualities. So that's, those three really are important. I, I compare it to a ship. Um, and if you think of a ship, 
you've got the captain on the bridge and the captain's focus is external. You know, he, he's looking out, make sure that uh, doesn't hit another ship, doesn't run aground, and most important, gets to the right port of destination. And then uh, you can have a great captain on a ship, but if that ship is dead in the water because the engines aren't running, it does no one any good. So yeah. you've got to have you've got to have a ship that's running. Well, the captain on the bridge is organizational leadership, looking out in, into the broader context. And operational leadership is making sure the ship runs. And then people leadership is making sure you've got the right people in the right places. You don't want the cooks in the engine room. You don't want the engineers in the kitchen. You want the, you want them in the right, in the right roles. And that's, um, and that's the essence of competence in leadership. And people kind of get that confused. What happens in an organization is that someone's a really good engineer, gets promoted, gets promoted, and ends up on the bridge. But really his pull is in the engine room and he spends his time in the engine room. He's, you know, he's going down there. And in the meantime, the bridge is empty. You know? And so this, the kind of organizational leadership isn't, isn't, isn't happening. So what, you know, what, the recipe for failure or rather the recipe for success at one level can be the recipe of failure at another level. And yeah. So I think that, that, that transition is really what derails a lot of a lot of careers. Yes, does that, that make sense? Oh, make, oh, there's a whole new skill set. Yeah, okay, from one level to the other. Um, there's a whole new focus. The day-to-day -day duties that you're you're tending to are completely different. Yeah, yes, absolutely, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so uh, you know, I think that's great. So the the clock tower deals with competence in leadership. It doesn't really deal with character in leadership. I mean, it talks. It assumes, you know, Richard, the, the, the protagonist, is essentially honorable, ethical uh, guy who has lots of integrity, but it's not really about that, though it does talk about self-awareness. You know, there's a, there's, he, he, he grows in a level of self-awareness that's actually quite profound during, the, during his experience. Um, and that's part of character. You know, I think great great leaders that we see out there just have tons of self-awareness. You know, they also have a clear moral compass. They have a lot of courage that they're going to, you know, act on that moral compass and out of a true sense of self-awareness and so on. But so the contact doesn't really, it kind of assumes that it doesn't really address that. Great leadership goes more into, it's, it's more of a sort of a, a trade book, you know, that, that kind of explains what it is. Whereas uh, the clock tower is more of a, of a story. Well, the great leadership, um, that title could be applicable today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about the 80s and 90s being such, such pivotal times. Uh, we'll come back full circle. And here we are in pivotal times yet again. Yeah. yeah. And what's, your, what's your take on, I mean, I, I, don't, I almost want to set the stage because I work at an employee assistance program. We have our book of business can give or take, and we have a wide variety of industries, mm -hmm. be manufacturing or, you know, schools and cities and, um, you know, all, all different kinds of, of industries. And I think there's just, there's a, people are tired. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of grieving going on right now. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't mean grieving, well, you know, that this recording, we're still, many people are working from home. Mm -hmm. We're still um, being careful about COVID. Mm -hmm. um, there's civil unrest. We're in an election year. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think people are tired. I think people are, are, are grieving the normalcy, the, the loss of normalcy that once was. And so let, can we switch gears and talk about that? Like in your experience, in your wisdom, and you have so many years of experience. Well, you know, I think it's, you know, I think what we're experiencing in 2020 is sort of a double whammy. You know, I think what we're experiencing at the same time, the impact of, uh, of wartime trauma and also peacetime trauma. And where it, it's oh, co-mingling. So I think of... Um, well, say more about that. What do you mean wartime trauma and peacetime trauma? That's yeah, well, I think, for example, I think the uh, COVID to me is, is sort of like, it's kind of like a wartime. You know, we've gone, everyone has in, impacted it. You know, I think about, you know, the Battle of Britain in, in, in England during the World War II. I mean, the, you know, everybody was impacted equally, you know, uh, from, from the queen, the royal family. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, Buckingham Palace was bombed. I mean, it was, you know, everyone was impacted in the same way. And that's what COVID has done. I think we've all, we've all been impacted. But then on top of that, the things that are happening that, that are sort of, they, they happen, they happen in peacetime. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, this is not the first time that we've had social and political political unrest. I mean, oh, we, you know, it it's been I think it it's been surfaced by the pandemic, but this is not the first time. Yeah, the the civil rights movement in the sixties absolutely in peacetime. I mean, but and it affected uh, a lot of people, but not everyone. And so, what we're also experiencing today is that there are things happening that impact some people, but not everyone. You mentioned this, um, someone who is grieving over the change of a name of, of a football team. Oh yeah, just, just for context, as you and I were talking on the phone about that. Yeah. I was talking with somebody who was, because um, just of all this racial, cultural, yes, the sports names are, are being changed. And this is somebody that used to go to this, this sporting events um, with his father as a child. Mm -hmm. And you know, the number one fan, and he has all the T-shirts and sweatshirts, and yeah. he's grieving now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think that that's a really good example of what that you know what that actually uh, what that actually looks like. So I think we're, we're experiencing this kind of this this double whammy, and I think yeah, so. Some people are experiencing. I think everyone's experiencing COVID, the impact of the pandemic. But then some people are experiencing this, other people are experiencing that, other people, you know, so there's, there's sort of this compound of this, everything coming, coming together. And I think it's a huge challenge in terms of, in terms of leadership. I think we're, we're, really, uh, we're really forced to look at leadership in a, in a new way. So, so as you look at leadership in a new way, what are you, what are you coming up with? Well, I think... I think leadership itself hasn't changed. You know, I think the principles, the principles of the framework, you know, what we just talked about in terms of organizational leadership, operational leadership, and people leadership, all those, those have not changed at all. What has changed are the conditions of leadership. Hmm. And, you know, when, when, I, when I was at school, I went to a boarding school in England, and I played a lot of rugby while I was there. And I, you know, as I look back on it, to me, it's inconceivable we did this, but we played in absolutely every condition 
weather condition you could imagine. I mean, sometimes it was decent weather, but sometimes it was snowing, it was cold. We, I, it, I remember a game we played in hail. And, uh, you know, the, and so really when you were kind of in a huddle, that was the only time you could get any warmth or anything. So um, you really didn't mind people piling on top of you and, <laughs> in, in those conditions. But the, the, the thing is, rugby, the principles of rugby never changed. They were still the same, but the conditions changed dramatically. How you play when it's dry conditions, no wind, uh, sunny, you know, good visibility, are totally different than when you know when you when you you can hardly see because of the hail. Uh, it just makes it makes the conditions different, but the principles of rugby don't change. You know, you 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 use apply them differently, and that's true with leadership. You know, you you know here we are. We're kind of in a hailstorm, um, but that doesn't change leadership. The principles of leadership. I think what it does mean is that we have to apply them, apply them differently. And so what that looks like in a, you know, in today's environment, I think, uh, for example, when we think about organizational leadership, you know, we have an acronym for that, CAS. Create and clarify direction, align around that direction, and then sell that direction. That's what, you know, that's the job of the captain on the bridge. Well, that, that becomes more important than ever during a pandemic. Mm. And then, you know, the, then operational leadership is another acronym for that. But then for people leadership, then you've got to, that's another acronym, SAM, select the right people, explain and clarify expectations, motivate them and develop them. You know, those, those suddenly become a whole lot more important. And the thing that, that has struck me about the pandemic is that the leaders who were practicing those things before the pandemic, they really did well in the pandemic because they just understood what those principles were and adjusted to these new conditions. It was the ones who never, you know, who never really thought about, um, about the about the the conditions or what what really are the principles of leadership they're the ones who are most confused and really caught off guard by the pandemic they're the ones who are really struggling the most in in terms of their leadership and so you know that you know that's that's not catastrophic it just means that if you're if that you know if, if that describes someone you know that person does can then you know then needs to go back and figure out, okay, what are the principles of leadership? How do I apply them now? Then, and that you, so you, you can start at any point, just because we're in the pandemic doesn't mean that you can't. But the fact is that the people who were applying it before actually have a real advantage. Once right, they have a plan, they have a vision, they have a map. Yeah, and they and know, everybody can get behind that because they know the direction in which they're going. Yeah, they know how to, they know how to pivot, you know, and they, you know, they understand what's really important. You know, think about organizational leadership. It's not just about the direction you're going in. It's also about really being clear on what your values are and what's really important. Being really clear on what your purpose is. You know, why do you exist? And, you know, we, we have a, um, a client that's a major uh, uh, logistics and transportation company. And they did a, an incredibly good job in pivoting. And it was because they were very clear on their values. And 
they're one of the few that I think, I think I'm right in saying they're the only one in that industry that did not lay anyone off during the pandemic. Wow. All their, all their competitors did. They, they repurposed people, they re repositioned them, but they were concerned about two things. Your know, safety is a big, big deal, especially in, in that industry. And so they, they did two things. They wanted to make people feel safe in terms of physically. And so they did everything they could to make sure that people were protected from the pandemic. They did all the right, took all the right precautions immediately and, and set them in place. And then they, they also told everyone, we're not laying anyone off. You know, so they wanted to establish a sense of security around their, uh, around their jobs. And they've done actually really well. I mean, they have weathered this. And, um, and I think that's because they were already practicing those things beforehand. They were part of their, the part of their DNA. And so when they went into this, you know, they just pivoted. You know, they okay, this is a hailstorm. We're still playing rugby. Uh, but, you know, we need to adjust. We can't do these long passes. We have to do short, but we can do it. You know, we can, it may mean that we play in different positions, but it, we can still, uh, we can still execute. And we can still, we can still uh, play the game. So I would say that's, um, you know, that, that's one impact of, of the pandemic. Is, well, and how brave and how courageous um, to be able to say it's kind of like the organization that took on this 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 mantle of responsibility on their shoulders that you know we are going to provide uh, safety and security for you we are yeah. committed to not laying people off and to say that uh, and make a commitment to to achieving that that's huge yeah rather than operating you know from a place of fear yeah or unknown you know we don't know what's going to happen yeah. Uh, and then the employees live in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think also they just had a very good relation, you know, the 5,000 employees, almost five, you know, 5,000 employees, but the senior leadership was very connected throughout the company. And I think there was a high level of trust. And so, you know, I think that all that was in place before the, the pandemic. You know, I think the two things that strike me that how this does change, you know, how, you know, we're, we're what does it look like when you're playing in, in conditions of hail? Well, you know, I think in the pandemic, I think one of the things it really calls on leaders to do is to be a whole lot more intentional than they've ever been before. You know, it, it, and I think that sort, of, that sort of makes sense to people because you can't just go by someone's office and sit down at the chair in front of the desk and talk to them. You know, you can't do that. You can't yeah, you've no. got to have a conversation in a hallway. Yeah. And often in the past, pre-COVID, that was, a lot of stuff was done that way. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of, you know, development and growth happened on the, from those kind of impromptu ad hoc conversations. We, we, we can't have those anymore. So what that means is that leaders now need to be a whole lot more intentional. And if they didn't develop that habit beforehand, then it's a lot, you know, it's, they've got to develop a habit that they've never, they've never really developed before. Now, the thing, the good thing is that actually COVID does, this, this lockdown pandemic um, has really forced us to, I, I have always wanted to be much more consistent in my exercise. And uh, 
the, the, the amazing thing is that for, for some of the exercise that I do, I don't think since the pandemic um, started, I think I probably missed, and what is that since March? How many months is that? Six months? Something? Oh, yeah. It's been a while. In six months, I think I probably missed two or three days when I haven't done it. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, but that's because the pandemic does, it's sort of this, it does allow us to develop habits that we, that we didn't have before. So if someone has not had the habit of really just investing in someone and spending time with someone, then actually I think this is probably a good opportunity to try and develop that habit. You know, I think, I think that is, a, it, that's kind of the silver lining of it all, that, that we actually can, we can develop those habits. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like the role of the leader is really not only about providing direction and security and safety and also competency and expertise, but maintaining those professional relationships. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. Um, because that's so, I think it's more difficult now than in before, because like exactly what you said, you can't just pop in somebody's office. You have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And the same thing, not only just with leaders, with um, with their individual direct reports, but teams, you know, the mm -hmm. whole, the whole department, you've got to kind of also be intentional, I think, in facilitating those connections, um, mm -hmm. to, to be maintained. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's right. I, yeah. I, you know, I think if we can really develop a developmental mindset with the people that we're leading, I think that I think that's huge, and I think people really respond to that. That's what you know. That's what really, that's what really motivates people. If we've got, if they feel that, you know, uh, you really care for them, and that you really want their best interests, that you're really trying to kind of help them grow, even in these difficult circumstances. I think that's I think that's huge. I think that really kind of overcomes a lot of the sort of the. Um, the downside of what we're experiencing now. And, you know, also maybe applying that to oneself personally, mm. I think is important right now, particularly. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's easy, I think, to get lost. Mm -hmm. um, your change in daily habits, your change in structure. And for example, look what you, you just, you were so proud. I could see it on your face. Yeah. And <laughs> your, your exercise program, you took, your, your, I'm sure your daily schedule changed. And mm -hmm. you took that time to really focus on yourself. Yeah, and and keep yourself healthy. Yeah. But well, you now earlier in our interview, you mentioned um, something you think is important for leaders is certain character mm -hmm. traits. What kind of character tra traits do you think are important now? Um, well, I think uh, so. We have this pyramid of of character qualities. Um, and when you first see it, you think, oh, this is kind of complex. It's got these sort of 14 different pieces on it. But, you know, it's got a foundation, and then there's a core that holds it up, and then there's a capstone, and there's glue that holds it together. But I think the, you know, as we looked at that, we figured, well, there are three that are really important. And, and I did mention them earlier. I think one is, you know, part of the foundation is uh, the three blocks in this foundation. And if you, you know, foundation, if the foundation is weak for any structure, then, you know, the rest is, is compromised. So the, the three that are really important is having a really high level of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's really 
that's really critical. I think leaders who lack self-awareness are the ones who are often the most handicapped in their leadership. And it has just, it has just a ripple effect in all kinds of directions. You hire the wrong people if you don't know, if you don't have this kind of sense of, of self-awareness. You, you, you make bad career decisions and so on. So um, that's really is kind of foundational. Um, the other two, one is uh, having a clear worldview, which is uh, uh, the, the, the other one, the, the having a clear moral compass is the one we focus on. So of those three, having a clear uh, sense of self-awareness, having a very clear moral compass, you sort of know where you're going to draw the line in the sand and you sort of tell yourself, well, you know, at that point, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm willing to go beyond that. You know, that's, that's what we mean by a clear moral compass. If you've got those two, then that's really kind of foundational. And then in this pyramid, the kind of the, the capstone is what is courage, because that's kind of what settles the whole pyramid. It's the capstone. And um, Churchill described courage as the greatest of all virtues, because it's the one that validates every single other one. You know, what's the point of having a clear moral compass if you don't have the courage to act on it? What's the point if you have a high level of self-awareness, but you don't have the courage to really act on the implications of that self-awareness? So courage really is important. So we've kind of focused on those three. There is another one that <clears throat> I think in this environment is really important. One of the cores of the kind of the, the center of the pyramid, one of them is care for others. And I think that's I think that's really, I think that's really important. I mean, I think it, it really has a, uh, it, it is the core. It kind of in a way holds the rest. It, it's part of the core that holds the rest of, of the pyramid up. And if we don't have a kind of a care for people, if we don't care about their success, if it's more about us than it is about them, then I think, uh, I think that's, that's when our leadership suffers. And I think especially in this kind of environment, because I think really caring about how our people are doing is actually going to push us to do things like investing in their growth and in their, and in their development. And so I would, those are the ones that I would say are really, are really important. Um, well, they're beautiful and they provide a framework, just yeah. like we're talking about in, in the other context. I mean, it's yeah. a framework for your well, person. We actually, you know, obviously we haven't done this during COVID, but when, we, when we're with a, a client, we're kind of going through this. We have this tinker toy exercise where we give them a bunch of tinker toys in, in different groups. And then the, the task is to build a tink, uh, a, the tallest structure they can. They have 10 minutes to do it. And so, you know, they typically start off by creating a good base, but then as time goes on, you know, the challenge is to make it the tallest. It ends up with this little spindly thing that is incredibly insecure. It's kind of <laughs> waving, it's waving in the air. And, you know, so when the time is up, then we move it into collapses. Well, the point of that is that a framework is a, it's a construction term. And so a framework, if you look at any framework of a building, it's basically two components. It's horizontal beams and it's vertical beams and they're tightly welded together. And that's what, if you think of character, that's the horizontal beams and the competence of the vertical beams. So the vertical beams allow you to go high 
and it's character that gives you strength. And very often in an organization and in a career, what will happen is if you're so focused on going high that you forget about the, the, the character that kind of binds it. And so you shortchange the character and you end up with a, um, a, a structure that's kind of insecure and flimsy. Yeah, so, so you really do need, you really do need both. They have to, they, they have to be there. And I think shortchanging one for the other is, is, is dangerous. I mean, character without competence, you know, what's that? That's just a pile of beams on the floor, you know, on the ground. It's got, you know, it's, it's, it has no value. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you've got just vertical beams with no or very few horizontal ones, then you've got just a weak structure. And you have to have self-awareness or self, the ability to self-reflect to know what your structure is. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. where it needs to be shored up. And yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 So both beautiful. are really, really important. Yeah, this is beautiful, powerful, powerful stuff. I'm so glad that um, you agreed to come on. Um, oh, I, well, I'm delighted to. I'm so glad that, that um, I, I'm so glad that you invited me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I have to ask because I end um, all our interviews with the exact same question. And um, I'm curious over time, as I have a collection of answers, what they're all going to wind up to be. But this is how I wind up every show. At First Time Employee Systems Program, our tagline is that we help people be better at work. Yeah, and as which is a great tagline. It's yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah, a little double kind of yeah. uh, entendre there, not entendre, but double meaning. Um, but so as you reflect on, on your career, what has been the one thing that you can say has helped you be better at work? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, you know, the first thought that comes to mind, um, you know, maybe a surprise to some and maybe not to others. Uh, you know, I think the first thought is prayer. You know, I, uh, you know, I pray before working with a with a client and doing an engagement, and I think that's just very, you know, I think my faith is very foundational. Um, the other thing I think of is just deep investment. You know, what has really helped me? I, you know, as I look back, I think about there about there are four people who made a huge investment in me, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, they are real contrast to other bosses that I worked for, who really didn't care. You know, I had one, I had one. Um, one boss in, you know, this is when I was working in England after graduating. I don't think I ever saw him the whole time I was in my role. I mean, wow. uh, it, it, he, as I say, it was as if he didn't exist or he just didn't care. But then I had others who really kind of made a point of really helping me grow. I had one boss when, when, when I was working in France, I was running an office in Eastern France in Strasbourg and he was based in the headquarters in, in, in Paris. And every six weeks, he would get on a train from Paris and I would get on a train from Strasbourg and we'd meet in a city halfway and we'd spend the day together. Oh, wow. Every, you know, every six, and it was all kind of focused on my development and growth. And that was just a huge investment. Um, I've had others who've invested. I've got a good friend. I, I think of him as a mentor. He's now 92. He was just incredibly supportive and helpful. 
uh, you know, as we were starting the business, as I was writing the book and, and just made uh, an investment. I think there are these people, these are the ones that I think I am just really grateful for. And it, it just makes me want to invest in other people because I think it just is, um, is that is, that is what is so, so different when we're really helping someone be successful and really helping them how to find their, their path to success, then I think that is, um, is really critical. And I've really experienced that. I mean, I've been the beneficiary of that. So that's what, that's what I would point to. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So I, I neglected to really formally introduce you and, and, and talk about the, the, you have a consulting group. Share with everybody the name of your consulting group and so how they can get a hold of you. Okay, so it's called Leader Development Inc. And the website is www.leaderdevelopmentinc.com. There's no spaces on, in that. I know that's a mouthful. Uh, don't confuse it with leadership development. That doesn't exist. It's leaderdevelopmentinc.com. Uh, you could get hold of me a couple of different uh, email addresses. One is kind of a general one that, that we always we always get and we always um, process it. It's info at leaderdevelopmentinc.com. If you want to contact me directly, it's abel at leaderdevelopmentinc.com. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're personally, we're based out of, uh, I'm based here in, in Colombia, but our, you know, our team is, um, is all over the place. We got, you know, quite a bit of it happens in Charleston. Um, and then the team that we have is kind of all over the place. So that's, and we, we work with a, a lot of different, different organizations, um, and different different sizes. Uh, basically, work with companies that really have kind of uh, are experiencing growth in a way that challenges their leadership capacity. You know, we're working with a company that's a, a unicorn, one of these um, uh, you know high growth companies. They've experienced at a times sixty percent growth annually. You know, which and you know they've gone in a few years from four hundred to. Uh, 1500 employees. I mean, it just a, um, f a phenomenal growth. They've recognized that they need help. Uh, we do work with the U.S. Treasury Department um, uh, as a client. So our uh, uh, client base is fairly, fairly diverse. So, And um, also your books. Where can people go to find out more about all the, you yeah. have a leadership journal? Yeah, all those, those, you can go to the website, uh, you can get them on Amazon, you can, you know, there are, uh, you, can, you know, if you go to Barnes and Noble or whatever, you can get them there as well. Um, you know, you, I, I would, uh, I'd encourage people to check out the website. There are a lot of free resources there. Um, you know, we're creating courses, we're creating new stuff all, all the time. Uh, you can uh, uh, sign up for the uh, leadership quick brief and stuff like that, that we that we do so that that would be a good way of that would be a good way of, of connecting um and then you know if you've got questions and so on uh, you know we'd love to hear them and um be able to respond to them there is another book i did i co-authored a book on leadership in healthcare. i saw that on your website yes okay. yeah it, and that's a that's a little different i think denny cortese was ceo of the of mayo clinic and i you know, I didn't know this, but he came across great leadership and he used it at the Mayo Clinic. And then when he 
retired, he went to ASU to set up a think tank on healthcare policy. And he asked me if I was interested in writing a book together on leadership in healthcare. And it was, you know, my initial reaction was, you know, we don't have any clients in healthcare. I mean, I've spoken at some healthcare events at the American uh, uh, Association for Healthcare Executives, um, stuff like that, but never really had a client in, in healthcare. Uh, but after getting together with him, just kind of seeing the impact that, you know, uh, or the need for leadership in healthcare, we, we actually ended up doing the project together and it became the book, Rescuing Healthcare. And it's one of those books that I think, you know, it, neither of us could have written it. I mean, I, you know, Denny just has an incredible history of, of leadership in healthcare. And, uh, and so he brings all that kind of the background. And I, so I was bringing the leadership piece and it was one of those things that was just a really good experience working with him. And Denny is, you know, I th he's just a, a terrific guy uh, and was a real pleasure um, working with him. We actually still, we're actually kind of working together with our, uh, uh, LDI, Leader Development Inc. And, and his organization. We're collaborating on some stuff together. So, yeah. Uh, so if someone's interested in healthcare, that, that, Absolutely. that would be a, that'd be another resource. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, maybe I'll, I'll um, have you back in the future. Oh, uh, yeah. Love to. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can pick it up again. Yeah, I would love that. Um, and, and Nancy, thank you so much for what you're doing. I, mean, oh. I just really appreciate the work that you're doing and especially what you're, you're doing to help leaders grow. And, and I think that's, you know, so anything that I can do to support you and what you're doing or we can do to support you would be really glad to do it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Well Hello Leader podcast. Now it's your turn to help someone else be better at work. Be sure to check out all of the services we offer employees along with coaching and training options for leaders. You'll find our website at firstsuneap.com. On social media, you can find First Sun EAP on Facebook, follow First Sun EAP on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like and subscribe to our First Sun EAP YouTube channel. Take care and have a great day.